I'm Damien Fowler. And I'm George Sluffo. And this is The Current. The Current is your deep dive into the future of TV, media, and data privacy, all explained in plain English. In plain English. And today we'll hear from Doug Milliken, the VP of Marketing and Transformation at Clorox. That's definitely a title I've never heard of. You're telling me. So I asked Doug, what exactly does a marketing transformation vice president do? What it means is my team is responsible for innovating our brand building model at Clorox, thinking ahead to what's the next iteration of how we think about building brands in today's world and trying to build the capability to do that. So right now, as an example, we're really focused on the idea of how do we use the data and technology that's now available in the CPG industry to help us personalize or customize to our consumers at scale. And we see that as the next kind of era in brand building within our industry. And, and, and our focus is on leading the company's transition to, to, to being able to do that. And, and you're actually in a really interesting position because you've been with the company for, for 33 years and now you're in charge of transformation. Is, is there any insight you could share from, from you know, having that sort of perspective? Yeah, what's interesting to me is, you know, Clorox has been around 100 or 110 years. Most companies don't live that long. And when I look back, Part of the reason we've been successful is uh, Clorox is a company that is very open to looking outside, understanding how the world is evolving, questioning what we're doing, and positioning ourselves to be relevant in the way the world works You know, at that time. So the words digital transformation get thrown around a ton in our industry what does that mean for Clorox? The way that we expressed it is digital transformation for us means changing how we do business, leveraging digital technology. So we said, you know, digital digital is a technology. Yep. Digital is a channel. We can market digitally. Yep. But really, at the end of the day, what digital represents is a change to how we do business. But it, it goes all the way to the macro. How do we build brands? The way we build brands in the digital environment is different. And we see it as being fundamental because if you don't do this, you can't operate in the digital ecosystem all businesses operate in. And you can't connect with the consumer in the way that they expect us to. So this is the way we approach it. And therefore, every function in every business has has a detailed plan about how it is transforming, leveraging digital tools. Doug, can I jump in here and ask you, you talk about connecting with the consumer. What does that mean when you've got, what is it, 49 brands in your portfolio, if that's correct? I mean, to name a few, you've got Kingsford Charcoal, Hidden Valley Ranch, the Brita Filter, which I use at home. Clean Paws, Kitty Litter. I don't have a cat, so I don't use that. But that's a lot of brands under your umbrella. Is there a sort of coherent underpinning to the marketing strategy for each brand? Or is, or is, there, is each one a different kind of way of thinking and approaching this uh, consumer relationship? Well, each brand, like most CPG companies, each brand is managed as an individual brand with an individual consumer set goals, visions, individual brand purpose. 
What is consistent is, you know, what we can bring as a company across all those brands is a consistent point of view and set of capabilities. So as an example, for us, we believe modern brands are purpose-driven, human-centered, and technology-enabled. So all of our brands, therefore, kind of operate under this ethos. They need to be purpose-driven. So all of our brands need to have what we would call a brand purpose. Why does it exist beyond the need to make money? Our marketing needs to be human-centered, meaning it's not about Clorox, it's about the consumer. And all brands need to be technology-enabled in today's world. Technology is the way we connect the consumer to the brand. And so we need to have a robust data and technology strategy to make that happen. So we all, all the brands operate under that kind of idea, but their individual objectives, strategies, and tactics are all particular to that business. So one of the, the key things that we're trying to do now in being human-centered is this idea of being more personalized. Technology has fundamentally changed consumers' expectations. All of us, we want, we want what we want, when we want it, how we want it, where we want it. We expect very high utility. We don't expect brands to know us in a creepy way, but we expect that brands are going to be really relevant to what we need at any given time. So we have a goal around personalizing all of our interactions with our consumers. Now, by that, I mean um, it's probably more customizing at a, you know, at, at a segment level. I don't mean every single interaction is one-to-one. We just use the, the term personalize. To do that, we have to know more people and we need to know more about them. In the old days, all of our consumers were anonymous. We had no idea who they were. And so what we need to do is move from our consumer being anonymous to our consumer being known to us in some way. In other words, there's some signal that allows us to be uh, more customized to what their need is. What we're trying to do is to build a database. Uh, we've set, just set a goal for ourselves. It just helps to motivate us to get to 100 million known consumers, meaning we could reach out to them in some ways, getting to that number by um, 2025. But that, again, just lets us do things like, well, we know you're in Seattle and it's raining this weekend. There's no need to send you an ad for Kingsford Charcoal. It makes sense. You guys have all these different brands and and, and you want to know about the consumer, so you're serving them relevant ads. But do consumers really want a relationship with something like 409 Cleaner? Like, can you expand why that's important to the Clorox brand? We build brands. That's what we do uh, as a company. By that, we mean we build an enduring relationship with the consumer based on their functional needs, their emotional needs. To do that, we need to understand them. They need to understand us. And there are ways in which we can be more relevant to people, even if it isn't do I want a relationship with 409? So let me give you an example. I'll just give you a good example, an example from our disinfecting wipes business currently. We've launched a compostable wipe. There are some consumers for whom that is an interesting product because uh, they are more environmentally conscious and it's important to them to understand that that product composts. There are other people for whom What compostable means is it's probably a safer product, safer around kids and pets, a little bit different motivation. 
So with the consumers that we know, if we can sort out, are they more of a natural consumer versus a safety consumer, we will send them one of those two, say, versions of a compostable wipe ad, more relevant to them. What we're trying to do is to help them solve their needs. We're trying to help them solve their goal. Ultimately, our hope is they say, I love that brand. Okay. Now, they may not think about us very often. We know people aren't thinking about disinfecting wipes 23 hours a day. They may think about us for two seconds a day. But when they do, we want them to say, I love that brand, right? Because they totally, you know, get me. The key is for each brand to understand the value exchange uh, for the consumer that would be worth it for them to give us some kind of um, information that would help us reach them more directly. So Hidden Valley, which has a, a good sized database, the value exchange there is people use ranch dressing as a condiment. They use it on lots of different foods. And what the consumer really wants is often a break from the rut of everyday figuring out every night what to make for dinner. So they look for recipe inspiration and Hidden Valley has a robust set of recipes that help people figure out, hey, what can you make for dinner um, tonight? The value exchange there is if you give us some information about your likes and desires, we will customize recipes for you. Recently in an interview uh, of with the Brave podcast, giving them a shout out, you said that Clorox was at an existential crossroads in terms of being relevant to customers and consumers. What do you mean by that? I mean, this is big picture stuff, I presume. Things are really different now. In the digital world that we're in, people's imagination and the innovation is being captured by other things like technology. That's really interesting to people. Smaller brands, really interesting to people. The average CPG brand is a little bit less of a wow thing than it was, that is, if you don't manage it correctly, than it was 30, 40 years ago. So the existential crisis to me is, you know, there's no God-given right that Clorox has to exist or any of our, you know, any brand in CPG has to exist. And if you can't keep up with what is the evolution of the of the consumer in the outside world, you're going to cease to exist. So the existential crisis is how does a CPG brand become relevant and interesting and useful to the consumer as much today as it was 50 years ago in a world that has really fundamentally changed? So this is when we think about, well, what motivates us around this digital transformation and connecting with consumers is the wolf is at the door. I think about it like that. And if we do not get ahead of it, if we do not evolve our model, if we don't do this digital transformation, change how we do business, build new skills, reach consumers in a new way, then your brand is not going to do well. It's a real it is a real crisis for legacy you know, brands that have been around for 100 years. It's amazing to think that. I mean, Clorox is a verb at this point, so you wouldn't think you'd need to do that much to keep, you know, to keep that message front and center in people's minds. On that point, though, do you think now that consumers are less loyal to longstanding brands, are they ready to move on if uh, a brand has a different message that appeals to them? Brands that aren't doing well, yes, <laughs> they are losing loyalty. Brands that are 
able to meet the consumer where they are today in the way that I was describing, those brands are not losing loyalty. So, I mean, our business, uh, you know, partly as a result of COVID, uh, you know, last year, we, we, we grew faster than we have ever in 110 or so years. Uh, the loyalty on many of our brands is higher than it's ever been. Um, the perceived consumer value of most of our brands is higher than it's ever been. So it's definitely not the case that CPG brands will will sort of de facto uh, lose loyalty. But no. So I don't buy that, that, uh, that narrative at all. And our data would say not true. With COVID during the early days of the pandemic, you guys were unexpectedly one of the hottest brands. Most people would assume you guys would stop marketing in that instance, with maybe some suggesting that if you continued marketing, you'd seem opportunistic, but you guys didn't. Can you can you touch on that? What was the rationale behind that? Yeah, that's a great question. The rationale is we believe in building brands over the long term. What we've seen is brand building, meaning communicating about the purpose of the brand, what it's about, what it does, uh, understanding the consumer's need. Brand building marketing pays off hugely. It builds the business, it reduces price sensitivity, it helps innovation, all of these things. And it's a long term. It's a long term. It's an evergreen effort. The way brand building works is you don't turn it on and turn it off. The Clorox brand is 110 years old. Most of our other brands are probably 30 to 50 years old. The average Fortune 500 company doesn't last that long. You know, why is that? That's because we build brands over the incredibly long term. So we would never look at it and think just because we we are out of stock, we should stop communicating with the consumer. We need to always be doing that. What we did was we just communicated different things. So if you take Clorox, the Clorox brand as an example, we weren't really communicating messages that had an objective about go out and buy the product now. We weren't doing sort of that kind of performance marketing or lower funnel marketing because we knew that's only going to frustrate people. What we were doing was focusing more on helping consumers understand um, how they could stay safe. And so understanding the role of disinfecting how disinfecting products could work, in some cases, what to do if they couldn't find uh, the product and, and what you can do at home. So we just changed the nature. In fact, our marketing spend, I think the year of COVID was, uh, might have been a record spend, even though we couldn't keep the product in stock. But again, it's because we're looking at this over the long term. And this is what allows our brands to weather all sorts of storms. So I, I have to, and that's fascinating, uh, but I have to ask. So during the, the early days of the pandemic, I think the IAB came out. They said more than a third of brands paused their ad spend. Everyone was kind of repivoting their messaging and, and figuring things out. To your point, you guys spent a you know, record ad spend during this time. But in terms of strategy, like what channels did you guys turn to? Was it, did you guys continue the drumbeat with, with your, you know, existing channels or did you guys look to other channels to, to, to send that message and, and continue to build your brand? 
Um, I don't think there was a really significant change in the channel mix. Um, the majority of our spend is in digital channels because that's where the consumer is. The dramatic shift, again, was more about the nature of the message. A lot of our brands were out of stock. A lot of our brands being things, of course, that are done in the home, most of our brands were seeing an increase in demand. People were getting more pets, so cat litter was up, and people were spending more time in their backyard, so charcoal grilling was up. So our messages were more about how to help people do those um, those activities than, as I said, sort of lower funnel, you know, buy now kind of things. You mentioned charcoal grilling, and we're here in summer again, and I'm noticing a lot of people grilling again. I'm seeing Kingsford charcoal everywhere I look in the parks, in people's yards. So we're kind of thankfully a long way from last year. So what's changed for you since those anxious days, you know, when the pandemic was spreading? What sort of has shifted, you know, in the mindset, in the way you think about consumers in that relationship? I think the main thing that's shifting is just what you described, which is people are getting out and about now more and the way and what we talk about with our brands can start to um, shift and reflect what people's needs are now. So I'll give you another example. Uh, Burt's Bees. People weren't using a lot of lip balm during the pandemic because they were wearing a mask. They weren't going outside as much. Now people are going outside and we have a campaign around welcoming your lips back. The Clorox brand is another example. The 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 consumer need that's really at the forefront now is about the concern of getting out and about in public again. So we've got a lot uh, more emphasis now on how to be safe when you go out of the house. Historically, Clorox had not really marketed as a brand out of the house, but now this is a very predominant consumer need. What happens when you go to the airport? What happens when you go see a, a basketball game? How do you stay safe? Um, and we're trying to create products like single-use wipes and other things and safety protocols, partnerships with uh, airlines and the NBA that are all things about helping people feel safe and be safe when they're uh, leaving the house. So that's really what's changed with the relationship with the consumer is how we support them as they begin to you know, get into re the reopening. You know, one of the things Damien and I have been wondering about is which of those changes did your team decide to keep around as the world slowly starts to shift into a new normal? In other words, what's changed across the company forever? I have to think about that. <laughs> change forever. You know, I don't know if this is a, it's not a new change. It's just the acceleration around digital, both digital commerce as well as the consumption of, of digital media. Um, and most companies have seen this. So we saw a growth in our e-commerce business. Uh, you know, the percent of the business that's e-commerce now is where we had projected it to be five years from now. So this change to, uh, you know, people call omni retailing or omni shopping. Almost all consumers today say, I'm going to shop both online and offline. So what has become, I think, really apparent is this idea that the consumer is living digitally. They expect an immediacy uh, in how a brand shows up, 
helps them, moves them along their journey. Um, their expectation that a brand can fulfill what they need in whatever way, one click away. I think this is what's what's changed. Uh, this change has been coming. It just accelerated. It was just a sort of a disruptive shift of pulling forward by, you know, five or more years. The the need for us to think in this omni way the consumer is just the consumer the consumer doesn't think in channels they don't think online off that this is not how they think they think i have a need i want to solve it now click where is the solution and it better be there right away and that's it for the current stay tuned because next week we'll have jay richmond vp of global ad business and platform at spotify there's a tension between nativity and standardization and you got to try to find that sweet spot the current is produced by james c green and kiara powell greta Cohn is our executive producer rick kwan is our mix engineer our theme is by loving caliber the trade desk team includes cassie crosby yvonne sikich and kat vesey the current is a production of transmitter media and remember i love that brand i'm damien And I'm George. And we'll see you next week.